0: Welcome to the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast. I am your host, Marco Verde, CEO and founder of the Content Marketing Plaza, bringing you two new episodes each week where I and top-level guests teach you how to get on more stages and make a profit from your public speaking. And one of the important things for public speaking, there are ways to sell once you're on the stage. There are ways to maximize that experience, but you have to get on the stage first. And that's what speaker marketing is all about. So in this episode, you're going to learn about that and how exactly do you get yourself on the stages you need to be on. So today's guest who joins us today, he is the author of the business best-selling book, Do It Marketing, 77 instant action ideas to boost sales, maximize profits, and cross your competition. He works with executives and entrepreneurs who want to position themselves as thought leaders and generate more leads, better prospects, and bigger sales. He is the founder of the Speaker Profits Formula Mentoring Program, and this helps 550 speakers, consultants, and experts boost their reach and revenue through the power of speaking. He is also the host of The Speaking Show, which is a top 50 business podcast on iTunes. Today's guest for Episode 8 of the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast is none other than David Newman. David, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show. Hey
1: there, Mark. Great to be here. Thank you.
0: David, I'm so happy to have you on the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast, and I mean, you've helped so many people in this field, so I can only imagine the value we're going to provide all of the listeners today. Uh, Before we get into it, though, can you just uh, paint the scene a little bit and share with us uh, what got you into public speaking in the first place?
1: Sure. So I'm an old school theater guy. I went to undergraduate and graduate school for theater, uh, graduated with an MFA in stage directing. Did all kinds of stage directing, assistant directing, literary managing in New York City for four years. Very tough way, Mark, to make a living. While I was doing that, I was also teaching as an adjunct faculty member at my graduate school, and a friend of mine says, you seem to be pretty good at that teaching thing. Maybe you should do that for companies, and that's called corporate training. So that got me into my 10-year corporate training career. Uh, that was from 1992 to 2002. And I would worked for big technology companies like PeopleSoft and Microsoft. I worked for big consulting firms like the HR and management consulting firm Towers Perrin. 2002, I went out on my own, figuring, how hard can this be? I already know about training. I know everything there is to know about Ooh. consulting and speaking and doing seminars and keynotes and multi-day programs. How hard can it be? Mark, it was hard. I was so upside down, crazy backwards. I made every mistake in the book as a new entrepreneur. I made the good ones twice. Uh, No target market, no niche, no focus. I had no list. I had no following. I had no clue. I literally had no idea what I was doing. Every dead end and every uh, black hole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, I hit it, I hit it hard. And it just got me so frustrated. So when I started out, uh, I had no content, obviously, most people have no content when they start out. So the first mistake I made was I signed up with one of these kind of franchise training companies. And they give you 30 different binders. And they say, Well, Mark, here's your 30 different workshops, go be a speaker, go be a workshop leader. And so I was literally doing Sales, marketing, leadership, team building, HR, leading through change effectively, um, uh, performance reviews, uh, hiring, firing, basket weaving, boat building, everything under the sun. And I realized that that was not the key to success. So it took me about three years. But after about three years of fumbling and bumbling and hitting every dead end and every brick wall, I said, okay, uh, this has to stop because I'm not making, making any money. In fact, I was kind of negative cash flow wise of $40,000 in credit card debt mm. because I was buying all these programs and I was like, oh, it's this, here's the next thing and this one's going to be the ticket and I'm going to sign up for this seminar and this boot camp and this coach and mentor is going to help me. And of course, none of it worked. I said, what do I really enjoy? What, what could I do for the rest of my life? and really have a great time doing it, learning it, and teaching it to others. And interestingly, it was always the marketing and sales and business development stuff, which proves the point that we always teach what we most need to learn ourselves. Mm. So I really became a student of the game, and I did a tremendous amount of study, and I fine-tuned some things, and I fixed some, fixed some problems, patched the holes, Finally, things started to take off around 2005, 2006. And then a friend of mine says, well, you should, you should just do that. And I said, do what? He said, well, you know, you're so, you're so smart with this marketing stuff. You should just teach people like us marketing and sales and how to build our speaking and training business. And I laughed at this guy, Mark. I said, come on, stop being ridiculous. Trainers and coaches and speakers, they're all broke. Nobody has any money. I'm finally getting this dialed in where I'm teaching big companies. I got big corporate contracts, Microsoft, IBM, QVC, uh, all the Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. I had all these big corporate training contracts. And they say, no, but you're really good at this marketing stuff. So I said, listen, I'm just going to, we can have breakfast. We can have lunch. We can have dinner. We can have drinks. I will tell you whatever I know for free. And that's how it started. And I literally was just, you know, these folks would come to me, asking for advice. Hey, David, how do you do this? Hey, David, I'm stuck with that. Hey, David, you seem to have this stuff figured out over here. How can you help me figure out this over there? And there was good people asking good questions. I was having fun. It was fun for me. It wasn't even work. And I think there's lesson one, Mark, is if you find yourself doing something that flows out of you, that's easy, effortless, enjoyable, and fun, I've now come to learn, and I teach this to my clients today, you will always have the greatest impact and you will always make the most money with what comes easily to you, but is difficult for others. And that was the moment that I realized, wow, maybe there is something here. And then around 2007, 2008, I pivoted my business and turned it into an early version of what we have today, which is like you were saying a moment ago, working exclusively with entrepreneurs and executives who want to have a thriving, speaking-driven business.
0: And a really interesting part of David's story is that he went into this thinking it would be easy. And I feel like a lot of people, they think that uh, they get the whole, like I, I speak to an audience part. The actual challenge of that is getting to the audience Because there are a lot of people who they could speak really well and they have something that they know a lot about and can share and contribute in a big way, but it is getting in front of that audience and getting event organizers to notice you. That is truly uh, the big challenge. And I'd love if we could talk a little bit more about how you're getting the corporate speaking gigs, because I know that in the short history of the show, that's not something we've gone as deep in. So, I mean, Microsoft, Bank of America, IBM, those are just some of the names that I heard you drop. Uh, So how... Does that happen? Totally at random when
1: you don't know what you're doing, (laughs) but you want a better answer than that. And frankly, so did I. And so do I, I think the most important thing that especially well, new speakers, but even mid career speakers get wrong about landing corporate contracts. They've gone to too many bad sales training programs and the bad sales training programs say, Knock on doors, smiling and dialing, 100 cold calls a day, batch and blast postcards, spam your network on LinkedIn. Obviously, as a social media influencer, Mark, you know that that stuff doesn't work. When people want to get your attention, they're not going to cold call you. They're not going to spam you. They're not going to come across your radar as just some goofball that's done no research and has no connection and no relationship with you. So it's the same advice that I would give to anyone which is you need to be doing intelligent prospecting. Intelligent prospecting is really a A, understanding what value you bring to an executive decision maker. And by that, I mean, what problems do you solve? I can do a keynote. I can do a seminar. I can do a speech. That doesn't solve a problem. In fact, I want you to stop thinking of yourself in the corporate sales market Stop thinking of yourself as a professional speaker and start thinking of yourself as a professional problem solver because companies have problems. Executives and buyers have problems. Are you solving a sales problem, leadership problem, process problem, technology problem, customer service problem, whatever, so strategic problem, planning problem, people problem, whatever that problem is, here's what I want to see on your speaker homepage. Clients and audiences tend to hire Mark when they're experiencing one or more of the following bullet, 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 pain, problem, heartache, headache, challenge, gap. You want to give people a roadmap and a guide for how and when they need your services. So using symptomatic language and you use symptomatic language everywhere, not just on your website, in your phone call, in your voicemail, in your LinkedIn profile, it is, uh, you know, people don't buy speakers. I'm just gonna say that right here right now and you know, let the hate mail come. People don't buy speakers. They buy smart people who speak. So you have to have a very clear buyer persona. You have to know what problems you solve. You have to know that in prospect language not in consultant speak not in buzzwords not in jargon but so when people ask me for example david what do you do i'll give you a great example uh i could say well i've got marketing and i'll help with business development and lead generation but all the buzzwords all the nonsense people are going to sleep mark they're going to sleep listening to us on the podcast right here i say well i work with small and solo business owners who want to do a better job with their marketing and get more clients. That is a plain English kitchen table description of what I do. No jargon, no buzzwords, nothing fancy. And you might say, well, doesn't every marketing speaker, doesn't every marketing consultant could could, could say the same thing? Well, good news, bad news. They could, but they don't. And what they do is they overcomplicate this with jargon and buzzwords and junk and confusing terminology. And we use the XYZ approach and we have the proprietary you know, uh, JFK uh, syndrome and we use you know, PDQ, XYZ and we help you with your blah, 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 blah. And people are lost. They're like, that guy talked to me for three minutes. I have no idea what he does. So clarity of messaging clarity of targeting, and then when you, when you have someone on LinkedIn, or you read a piece in your local business journal, or the business section of your paper, or you've got trigger events set up in Google Alerts with things like your topic and CEO, or your topic and VP of sales, your topic and uh, VP of marketing, whoever your target market is, and then a few situational trigger words Then you can reach out with a high relevance, high trust, trusted advisor approach and not come across like a peddler, not come across as someone who's pitching a speech, but literally your outreach process to your corporate clients is simply organic outreach and inviting people to a conversation about how you can help them. And that's the best way I can put that in a nutshell, that people that say, well, can't I just send 10,000 postcards? No. Can I just spam my whole LinkedIn network 50 people at a time? No. Can I just smile and dial and make 100 cold calls a day and eventually I'll find something from someone? No. First of all, you'd hate your life. If you did that as a speaker, as a consultant, as a coach, you would totally hate your life. You know, People come to us, Mark, when they are sick and tired of the monkey work and they're sick and tired of banging their head against the virtual brick wall saying there has to be a better way to do marketing, prospecting, outreach, and connection building. People wanna have a relationship, especially in our hyper-connected world right now. People want a person-to-person, human-to-human relationship. They don't wanna be spammed, they don't wanna be pitched, and they don't wanna be sold.
0: And, uh, like if you are an event organizer, you are getting a lot of these emails from people, uh, saying that they want to speak at the event. So taking a different approach can really help you stand out. And I like what David's saying. He's not saying reach out to everyone. He's saying, reach out to fewer people. And by reaching out to fewer people, you're able to tailor the message better in a way that solves their problems instead of saying, Hey, look at me. I'm a speaker. Exactly right.
1: Exactly right. Well, and let's talk about the meeting planners for a second. Meeting planners, conference producers, association executives, and company executives who are responsible for hiring people like Mark and like me to come in and and speak. There was a survey done about three or four years ago, but I think these numbers still hold up. The question was, how do you like to get first contact from a speaker who'd like to come and speak at your event or who'd like to be considered? The survey said 6% of them would like a phone call. 43% of them would like an email. Now, I'm not a gambling man. I don't go to Vegas. I don't bet on the ponies. But if I have a 6% chance of connecting with someone on their preferred channel, or I have a 43% chance of connecting with someone on their preferred channel, I'm going to go with the 43%. And I hate cold calling. I hate doing them. I hate getting them. But there's still people today, Mark, that are teaching and preaching. Oh, yeah, 50 calls a day, 100 calls a day. It's like their religion. And that's all that they know. And that's all that they do. And God bless them for every 100 calls. They might get one prospect. They do 100 calls a day. That's five prospects that week, 20% closing ratio. They say I make 100 calls every day, Monday through Friday, and I reliably talk to five people, and I get one gig. I don't want to have that life. I don't want to be smiling and dialing and calling in the cab and calling at the airport and calling in my office and spending all day leaving voicemail for people who have no connection with me, no rapport, no trust, no relationship, and no reason to call me back.
0: And it's really interesting to think of that approach because – I, sometimes like when you're on the phone, you can have a better conversation with someone, but if it's through cold calling and it's not a way that all these people prefer, then it may be better to shoot the emails uh, as we are suggesting in this episode because uh, email is definitely something you could do uh, more, but even then you don't want to send the same email. You want to tailor it to the person. And again, I, I would rather send out 10 emails and get five people and shoot out 100 emails and get five people. Even if it's the same number, it's a lot more work.
1: Absolutely right. Such a great point. And I want to talk about templates because in our program, we have some templates. I'm sure you've seen these templates online. You can just search, you know, internet. um, Search search internet. See see what's on the interwebs these days. Uh, Search the internet for template, cold call email template. You'll find millions of them. Let's talk about what the word template means. The word template means starting point. The mistake that I see people make is they get themselves a good template and then they just send the template. No customization, no personalization. It's like, hi, do you hire speakers? Not that that's a great template, but you get the idea. Right. No relevance. You've done no homework. You've done no research. You have not proven yourself to that prospect that you've spent even a single second on their website looking at the kinds of conferences they produce. What's the theme of the conference? Why is the theme of the conference the theme of the conference? Who have previous speakers been? Where's last year's program book? You can find all of this, by the way, with simple Google searches. This is not hard. So you can find the PDF of last year's conference brochure. I would download that puppy. I would study it. I would look at the gaps in the programming. I would figure out where they're strong and where they're weak. Then I would send the email, Dear Barbara, I see that you have an event coming up in Las Vegas in November of 2019. Having looked at your previous programs, I see that you do some programs around sales, but I didn't see a lot of programs around sales leadership. Do you think your members would value a program to help your sales leaders become more effective. It's literally a three-sentence email. That shows them about five things. It shows them that you've done your intelligent prospecting, you know the date and the location of their event, you've done some background research on the kinds of programming they have, and you're now proposing to help them fill a gap in their programming that would be valuable and relevant to their members. That's a very hard email mark to ignore even out of respect, even out of, wow, I get 20 pitches a day from speakers. This is the only guy or the only gal who's done the research, done the homework, and has an intelligent reason for contacting me to help me make my conference better. That's the kind of email that gets a response. Now, you're also exactly right. I want the phone call too, but I want the email to open the door to the phone call, and then our phone call is going to start out at level seven it started instead of starting out at level one,
0: right? And it's good to use those two to complement each other because the phone call is really great. Uh, once the person knows who you are, because then, I mean, uh, you're talking to the person instead of shooting emails and it can have like decisions could be made more immediate. And, uh, we've talked about how to pitch to these people, how to get ourselves in front of these people, but how do we figure out who these people are like for, and not just corporate, but like, we're going back to Microsoft. Like who do you like? There's a lot of people in Microsoft and the same can be said about a lot of events. So how do you find the best person to reach out to? Totally fantastic question. I believe that the alpha
1: dog companies are the ones that are going to be the first to hire outside speakers, coaches, consultants, and experts. So where do you find alpha dog companies? Look at all of the listings, and there's about a dozen of these, and probably a whole lot more that I'm not even aware of. I'm talking about best places to work in America. I'm talking about uh, Fortune's 50 most admired companies. I'm talking about Working Mother magazine, 50 best places for working women executives. I'm talking about um, uh, Black Enterprise magazines, 100 best places for diversity. Uh, you can look at America's healthiest companies, best companies for women, best companies for la- Latinos, LGBTQ, you name the group. There are lists 50, 100 best companies, top companies, most admired companies. Fast Company Magazine has the most creative companies. These are the top dogs. Inside each of these listings, you can Google these right now, you'll find all the lists. They quote executives. So they're going to quote a diversity executive. They're going to quote a chief operating officer. They're going to quote a chief information officer. If it's a sales publication like Selling Power Magazine, they're going to list out the VP of sales. If it's the CMO magazine for chief marketing officers, it's going to be the 50 best CMOs. Those are the people that are the economic decision makers for their entire function. So you're always going to do well by connecting with a C-level executive, but don't just spam them. It's the same thing we talked about with the meeting planners and with everyone else. Connect for a reason. Look at their media page, look at their press releases, watch videos of their CEO on YouTube, see what they're up to. If they're doing a big hiring spree, if they're just announced a big merger acquisition, new initiative, hey, we're a $7 billion company. We'd like to be a $10 billion company by 2020. And you've got some software, some tools, some process, some service that helps with revenue acceleration or cost savings or profitability or helping them with margin or scaling or whatever. You say, I noticed in the CEO letter, Jim said that you're on the path and listen to the language, you're on the path or you're building a bridge or you're on the road to a $10 billion dollar company. I think I have an idea that might be helpful to you. Would that be worth a short chat? So you quote what you found in your research coming from the top dog, you connect with someone who's either the top dog or someone who's very close to the top dog. Sometimes, Mark, you don't know who to contact. If there's not a specific person mentioned or named or quoted, or you don't see someone's video on YouTube, you can simply find an executive on LinkedIn, who's at that VP level and above and what what you say is, I have an idea for X, Y, and Z initiative. Would you be wonderful enough to point me in the right direction? Whose attention should I bring it to? So sometimes the asking for help email, can you point me in the right direction? I'd really value your help. Now I'll tell you, I'm going to give you my inside ninja secret that not even some of my clients know. My clients should be listening to this show because I'm going to drive them over here and they should listen to all of this and all your other episodes too. The secret these days, not LinkedIn, it's not the phone, it's not email, it's not even a handwritten note. All those things are great and they work. When you want to get into a company, the best place to go right now is Twitter. You find the company's Twitter account. The company's Twitter account is almost always run by their social media team or their customer service team or some hybrid of both. Their job, their number one job, what they get paid for is satisfying requests that they get when you say, you know, at American Airlines, when you say at IBM, at Microsoft, et cetera, who's in charge of your regional sales meeting? You know, I noticed that you've got a big Uh, CRM implementation conference coming up in November, who would I talk to about sponsoring that? When you say, who would I talk to about sponsoring that? Now you're talking about giving them money. Hmm. Watch how fast you get an answer. Oh, Jim is in charge of that conference. Oh, Sally, she's the one that is our conference chair. Or so-and-so is our sponsorship manager for that. Now the sponsorship manager will want to talk to you. And the ask is, Could you introduce me to the folks responsible for speaker selection? So Twitter is the doorway. Then you get a resource. Here's their email. Here's their phone number. I've done this with Entrepreneur Magazine. I've done this with Big Fortune 500 companies. The Twitter folks, their their number one directive is help people connect with what they need on Twitter. When you ask for who's the person doing your conference, who's the person doing your events, could you point me in the right direction? Who does your speaker selection for your big internal events? They say, oh, let me look that up. That's Sally Jones. Do you want her phone number or her email? Well, I'd love both. Awesome. Thanks. So private message, direct message, or even publicly at message, these folks, they will respond. They
0: will respond.
1: Ninja secret number 17 wow. from David Newman. You can thank me later.
0: Wow, well, that's amazing. And when, when you first said Twitter, I was like, well, I Twitter, but it makes total sense because... I know,
1: it's very 2007, yeah. but sorry. But, you know, it still works today. Yeah. Yeah, that's the great thing.
0: I mean, when you... If you were to say, like, a social network can get you all these gigs, like, you would think Facebook or you would think Instagram, one of these hot ones, but uh, Twitter still has a lot of value to it with the interaction level that Uh, you can get. So it's certainly a very interesting point. And uh, one of the things I do want to ask you is uh, I feel like our our success or like the direction we take is based on our habits. So I'm wondering if you could share with us some of the habits that you would say have helped you become a successful public speaker.
1: Uh, You're absolutely right. It's habits and values. And I'll tell you the value that drives one of the habits. The value is a day without a sale is like a day without oxygen. Mm -hmm. So sales need to happen daily. I see so many speakers, and this is our prospects that come to us, and some folks that are struggling to get their business off the ground. They say, well, you know, um, I didn't get a sale today. Uh, I didn't get a sale this week. I didn't even get a sale this month. And I said, well, when's the last time that you sold something to somebody? They go, yeah, you know, December. And maybe now it's like June. Um, It's like three months, four months, like five months without a sale. Think about this like this way, Mark. If you opened a restaurant, beautiful restaurant, cuisine of your choice, you got the waiters, you got the food, you got the kitchen ready to go, the big neon sign. Opening day, 6 p.m., kickoff dinner, you fling open the doors, nothing crickets you'd be like wait a second did the website go down are are are, are we not on yelp uh, w- w- what the heck happened here you'd be really puzzled really upset second day of your restaurant staff is there food's ready everything is open second day no one walks in your restaurant by the second day you would get into massive action you'd have a massive freak out the food is going bad in the kitchen The staff is sitting around twiddling their thumbs. You've got $25,000 a month overhead and rent and facilities and utilities and everything else. You'd be like, oh my God, what's going on? You'd walk up and down the main street of your town wearing a sandwich board saying, eat at Mark's, 10% coupon, come on down. You would get into such massive action. When a speaker doesn't make a sale on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you know what they say? Well, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe in three months. And this is why they go back into corporate. This is why they put on the green apron and go work at Starbucks because they allowed themselves to get complacent with no sale, no sale, no sale, no sale. Now, trust me, I've had no sale days. I've had no sale weeks and I've had no sale months. The difference between me and a speaker who's struggling, is I freak out. I productively freak out by getting into massive action, by doubling down on the prospecting, on the outreach, on the relationship building, going back to past clients, activating my champion network, getting back on social media, using the Twitter strategy, sending more emails, sending more bomb bomb video emails, more personal video emails. I love Bomb Bomb as a platform. I get into massive intelligent action. So when the value is, and your expectation is, sales happen daily, it drives your outreach activity, it drives your prospecting activity, and then you are much more likely to find yourself, wait a second, sales are happening daily. I got a $10,000 gig here, I got a $7,000 gig here, these guys want two days in November, this client wants me to come back and do a consulting project, and you get in the rhythm. So inertia leads to more inertia, action leads to traction and traction leads to results.
0: Wow. And I like that uh message that you know a day without sales is a day without oxygen because uh some people like you know like they just think it's part of the process to not get sales on a day and in some cases it does happen but I mean as David mentioned like if he if that happens to him he's in a panic mode like some people they just yeah like maybe tomorrow it'll happen so I definitely like that concept. And I mean, you've been really amazing on the show, like the insights you've shared about uh, getting booked, especially from the corporate angle, because uh, this is new stuff that uh, we haven't covered yet until now. Uh, So for people who want to follow you more on your journey, I know you host the speaking show. I know you help public speakers. Uh, So where are some of the places we could go to uh, see more of your work?
1: Thank you for asking. So there's a couple of resources and things people can look at. Number one, the main website is doitmarketing.com. They can also get our free web training. Our on-demand training is at doitmarketing.com webinar. And they can, in fact, and should perhaps tune into The Speaking Show. That is doitmarketing.com podcast, but it also re- redirects when they go to thespeakingshow.com. And the future guest, Mark Guberti, stay tuned. He's coming on the show. I'm very excited about that. Um, and we, we interview both speakers, uh, thought leaders, experts, and clients, executives, and association people who hire speakers. So if you want a little bit of an insight into the, the buyer's side of the conversation, pick up some of those episodes as
0: well. David, thank you so much for sharing all of your great resources and insights with us. It was such a pleasure to have you on the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast. Thank you, Mark.